from Kent School in Connecticut, I'm Matt Austin with Trebles Going. Today, Leland Kuzmer from Boston talks about Ringing Room. Leland Kuzmer, welcome to Trebles Going. Thanks for taking some time with us. Thanks very much for having me, Matt. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm interested to start off. Just I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. Um, you said that you grew up in San Francisco? That's right. Yeah, my family still lives out there. Um, I grew up um, in the city itself um, until I moved to the East Coast for college. Okay, and that was Swarthmore, you said, right? That's right. Okay. Um, you want to take 15 seconds to give our vast high school listenership a plug for Swarthmore? Sure. Um, Swarthmore is a, a small liberal arts college. Um, I always... Um, I, I always say that it has a good combination of sort of social responsibility with academic rigor. I had a really great time there. Um, it mm-hmm. was a good place for me to study linguistics, which is my primary field, but also um, the music department was really quite good and welcoming, even to people who were not um, music majors. So I spent a lot of time there with other musicians. Oh, great. Um, and how'd you, fi- how'd you find Swadmore, you know, coming from the West Coast to the East Coast? Um, I had a family friend who was on the alumni council at Swarthmore and he brought me out for one of their meetings of all things. And I remember it was in the middle of February, everything was dead and covered in snow. And I walked onto campus and still went, Oh yeah, this, this feels really nice. This feels like home. Oh, that's funny to hear. I, uh, (laughs) almost, almost every year during January and February as, as families are coming and touring around Kent, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just stop by someone and say to them, you know, if you like it today, you're going to love it the rest of the year. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. and so did you get involved with ringing at all when you were uh, down at Swarthmore or was it later on when you were up uh, up near Smith? Primarily later on. So I came to ringing, to change ringing via tune ringing. When I was in high school, my best friend recruited me into his handbell choir um, and I got very into that. Um, and I continued doing that through college. I actually conducted a local um, handbell choir while I was at Swarthmore. I did ring exactly once in Philadelphia while I was in college um, and loved the idea. And then for some reason, never went back. And it took me until after I graduated to find change ringing again. Sure. Uh, Hopefully that'll make all of our Philadelphia friends feel glad. They, They know that there are plenty of college students who come through their area that have some exposure to change ringing and they they try and catch as many of them as they can, but you don't always convert them during undergrad. Yeah, that's true. Um, but then you, when you got up to Amherst for grad school, um, how'd you get connected up with the Smith Ringers? So I started a little bit earlier than that, actually. So right after, the year after I graduated from Swarthmore, I lived in Southern New Hampshire. Um, and that year sort of on a, on the spur of the moment, I went and went to the North American Guild homepage and looked up towers near me and discovered I was an hour and a half drive from the Smith Tower um, and reached out to the people who were running the tower at the time um, and who are Michael Bush and Elizabeth Den, um, who don't ring there anymore, unfortunately. They were math professors at Smith. Um, and they were wonderful teachers, and they um, taught me to ring that whole year. I would drive down once a week um, 
to ring with them. And they taught me to handle and taught me to ring in rounds. And I was just sort of starting to hunt. It was a very, very small band at the time. There were, you know, on a good day, the other people there could manage minimus. Um, But a lot of the time it was just sort of rounds and call changes very unsteadily. But, you know, it was a fun group and I enjoyed learning a lot. Um, Yeah. And then at the end of that year, I moved back to San Francisco for a year and just basically totally stopped ringing at a, mm-hmm. at a break. Um, but then when I finally moved back to, to Amherst for grad school, Michael and Elizabeth, um, who had been running the Smith Tower, they had gotten jobs elsewhere and moved away. And so the tower had sort of fallen apart. Um, and I got connected with um, Sarah Moriarty, who at that time was working at Smith. And right. she had rung there when the bells were first installed in 1968 and then hadn't really rung since and really wanted to get things going again. And she and I worked together for a, for a year to rebuild the tower at Smith. Oh, great. Well, I'm, I personally, of course, I'm, I'm very glad that you have. It's been great to be able to bring students up there and have them work with uh, the other college students and see kids their age who are learning at the same time. And for me, you know, I've learned a lot up there. I'm glad. I I think it's a really, it's a nice tower to learn at. They're very easygoing bells. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's a really nice community around there. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly friendly people. Um, I, uh, I wonder, as long as you're mentioning Michael and Elizabeth, is there anything in particular you remember from when they were teaching you that, that when you're teaching people, you always think to yourself, oh, hey, this is the way Michael showed me how to do it. Or this is the way Elizabeth corrected me. Um, well, one thing that I think about all the time. So the way that Michael and Elizabeth ran handling instruction, Michael would take the sort of very early learners. And then once people were like more or less handling a bell on their own, but still not very steady, Elizabeth would work with them. And so once I was sort of transferred to Elizabeth's care, I remember she would sort of sit there in the corner with her knitting while I was ringing and would keep an eye on me (laughs) and would periodically just say, faster, not sooner, meaning get your hands up to the Sally faster, but don't actually move them any sooner. (laughs) Just move them faster. She would repeat that over and over again. Was she just picking that up out of her peripheral? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, excellent. I, uh, I, I remember ringing appeal where I think Stuart Barton was ringing the tenor and for about an hour, he'd been standing there with his eyes closed, just ringing a nice steady tenor. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and something happened up around the three or four and immediately he looked up and shouted out to three different people. And I I thought to myself, wow, I didn't even realize he was awake at this point. I thought he might've been ringing in his sleep. Um, So it's pretty, pretty impressive how, when people get a lot of experience, how well they can, they can catch things happening before you even realize they are. Yeah, it's really true. So now you're out in the Boston area. Um, you, yep, you, you, however, I, I heard a rumor that you attended the, or, or you were watching the 12 bell competition from Namibia. That's true. Yeah. Um, this was a few years ago now. Um, I think it was either the first or second year that the 12 bell competition was live streaming. And, um, I, so I did my PhD in linguistics and my research involved fieldwork on small languages of Southern Africa. Um, and so one year I happened to be um, in Grindok, the capital of Namibia, um, doing my research while um, the 12 bell competition was happening. And I was very excited about the, about the competition. I, I, that day I pretty much spent the whole day like working on paperwork for my research while listening to the ringing. Um, and at some point, the, they asked um, on Twitter for people to let them know where they were 
listening from. Um, and I remember that I got a shout out on, on the, on the stream from whoever was, was running it saying Namibia, we have someone from Namibia. Um, we do some, someone momentarily in, in Namibia. Momentarily in Namibia. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we're glad to have you back. Um, <laughs> there's, there's obviously a lot of great handbell and tower ringing you've been doing, um, but the recent project that caught my attention uh, that I was hoping we could talk about a little bit is ringingroom.com. So before yeah. we get too much into the weeds, can you just describe to people what this is in case they haven't seen it? So ringingroom.com is a platform for online bell ringing. Um, so it's something that you can visit in your browser and create a little virtual tower that you and your friends can all ring together in no matter how far apart you are in physical space. Right. Whether whether you're across the country or you just can't all get into the same tower, even though you're in the same neighborhood. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so now what sort of setup does one need to do in order to get my, you know, let's say I have a handbell group or I have a tower mm -hmm. group that I haven't been able to meet with for the last month or two. Um, what do I need to do if I'm going to set it up and bring people in? So you can just go to the homepage of ringingroom.com and there'll be a box in the center that will say to, you know, either create or join a tower. You can type a tower name that can be pretty much whatever you want there and hit the button and you'll be directed to a tower. That tower will have a unique ID that's in the top left and you can either send out that ID or just send out the link to the tower taken from your browser's URL bar. Um, mm. And in either case, anyone who goes to that link or enters that ID in the ID in the homepage will be put into the same tower as you. Okay. Um, and I should say before before we hear too many people screaming at their radios, uh, I'm perfectly aware, and we want to send a send a shout out to your co-creator of RingingRoom.com, uh, Bryn Reinsadler. We're going to have her on a future episode talking about actually another fun project that you and she did together. Um, so that's why we're interviewing you to talk about Ringing Room. We haven't forgotten, Bryn. Yes, good. Yes. Um, so, so if I go ahead and set up a tower, um, how how do I then manage the ringing? So, um, when you enter a virtual tower on Ringing Room, there will be a set of bells, um, bell ropes, um, or handbells. Now, in the latest update, um, around in the center. Um, and you can ring those either by clicking on them or by using a variety of keyboard shortcuts. For instance, the number keys will always ring the corresponding bell. Mm -hmm. um, there's a set of controls on the left-hand side of the page that includes, for instance, a list of all of the users in the room with you know, whatever username they've chosen. Um, and you can use that to assign ringers to particular bells so that everybody knows who's ringing what, and that will put their name by the bell. And it will also enable sort of special hotkeys so that you can use, for instance, space to ring the one bell that you're assigned to. Oh, great. Is this, is this something that you had had or you and Brynn had had in the back of your minds before um, social distancing measures and stay-at-home orders? Or is this something that really, really just popped up with the current environment? Honestly, it really just popped up with the current environment. It's the sort of idea that seems very obvious in retrospect, and all of the technology to build something like this has been around for many years. I think it's just that until the pandemic started um, and social distancing measures were put in place, there wasn't very much need for it. Um, sure. But um, once we went into quarantine here, I started thinking about ways that we could continue to have 
ringing in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked briefly about, you know, trying a quarter peel over Skype video chat or, or whatever, right. um, and decided that was not very likely to work. And then I got to thinking one day, well, hold on, like we have simulators. I wonder if you can just get simulators to talk to each other. Sure. Um, and I quickly decided that that was something that was probably beyond my ability to do, but I do know, you know, just enough about web dev that I felt like I could dive in and teach myself what was necessary um, to build this platform that way. All right. And now I'm I'm curious personally, and I'm sure we have plenty of listeners who have some experience in this field and would be curious. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit of that actual development process? You know, what it takes to put together something like Ringing Room. Yeah. So Ringing Room relies on. Um, a sort of stack of different technologies that are involved in web dev. So there's the sort of back-end setup um, that's all written in the programming language Python um, that handles sort of incoming and outgoing messages and keeps track of tower state and things like that. Um, And then there's the front-end, which is all written in the usual sort of web development languages like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript mainly, Mm -hmm. um, using a couple of different frameworks um, and there is a, a pretty nice framework called socket.io, which is just a system to allow browsers and web servers to pass information back and forth in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what, what ringingroom.com uses. When you um, ring a bell, a signal gets sent up to the server saying, I would like to ring this bell. The mm-hmm. server changes the state in its memory for that tower, and then it sends that signal out to everyone in the room saying, now mm-hmm. ring this bell. So all of our browsers then execute the change in the graphic and the audio cue. That's the right. Chiming. That's um, right. How how has communication and latency uh, been? Has that Has that been something hard to work with? Yeah, latency is a hard problem. And in fact, to a certain extent, it's an unsolvable problem. Um, Online ringing is always going to be plagued by latency issues. I will confess that I have been pleasantly surprised by how little trouble um, it has given the ringing, which isn't to say that it isn't very noticeable. I think at the moment, perfect striking is impossible on Mm ringingroom.com, unfortunately, um, because of this issue. but it is possible to get some relatively nice ringing for you know long stretches of time. We've had many quarters rung on the platform already. We have ideas about how to deal with the latency a little bit better. So we're constantly making improvement, both in terms of sort of how much information is being passed up and down. If you can sort of compress the message size as small as possible, that helps mm-hmm. with the latency. Um, and then we have some other ideas about how to sort of introduce delay between when you press a button and when you hear the bell, just like you might have in a tower when you're ringing. And that delay can sort of soak up the transmission time um, between your browser and others. Um, This turns out to be a difficult thing to get right. I've gone through a couple of iterations of it and haven't liked any of them yet, but I'm I'm keeping on it. We will have something like that eventually. Okay. I mean, I should say, I personally uh, have encountered plenty of very nice striking like you say um you get you get some stretches of really nice striking just like you do when you're in tower or i would assume in a handbell group um as as you may know i'm almost completely a neophyte in the handbell world so i'm not sure that i've ever been part of any good striking in a handbell uh, group Mm -hmm. but um but yeah no no it's it's not hard to strike it pretty well yeah 
So you, you said that you've seen a lot of quarters rung already. Um, do you have a good sense of how much it's getting used and who's using it? Yeah. So on the day before we're recording this, um, Ringing Room broke a thousand users in a day for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, so we've been hovering sort of between 800 and 1,000 for the past two weeks, um, which is it's really exciting to see. This is by far the biggest project that I've ever been involved in. Um, right. And um, it was really encouraging. We started spreading Ringing Room to um, basically our friends here in North America. And um, since there are so many, since the Ringing community really is very small, it pretty quickly crossed the pond and started being used by UK ringers and then made its way down to New Zealand. Actually, I've been working with some of the New Zealand ringers to try to get a version of the site up that's hosted in New Zealand so that they can have less lag there. Right. Um, yeah, I, I saw a screenshot of someone who had what looked like my familiar ringing room, but I noticed it was a UK address. Is it being served in multiple, is it being served over in the UK uh, separately from the US instance? Um, at the moment, there is only a UK instance, actually. So we started with a US instance, but we moved it across the pond uh, pretty much as soon as it started to take off over there, okay. um, which we hear has reduced latency for people on that side. Um, we would love to someday also have a US server again, but honestly, we haven't noticed a huge increase in the lag over here since we've moved it over. Mm -hmm. um, and given that, you know, far north of 90% of the ringing community is in the UK. I think it makes more sense to leave the servers there. Sure. Um, what you saw in that screenshot was just that we registered both ringingroom.com and ringingroom.co.uk. They both go to the same place. Um, we just wanted to make sure that if people accidentally typed one or the other, they'd still get to the, the right place. Perfect, perfect. So you say there are 1,000 users uh, a day. That's you know, obviously summed across uh, North America and U.S. Are there any other interesting patterns you can see as you're looking at those? Well, I think the most fun pattern for me to watch has been that um, ringers in the U.K. are still keeping up their 7 p.m. practice hour pretty regularly. Um, so you hit 2 p.m. here on the East Coast or 7 p.m. in the U.K., and the um, number of users suddenly jumps up pretty much every weekday. So right now, as we're talking, we have well more than 60 users on the site because um, we are in the middle of practice hour. Oh, that's so fun. So it's like people are still going to their 7 p.m. practices at the different towers. They just do it all from their browser. Yeah, exactly. So just out of curiosity, are there, aside from fiddling around with latency and trying to get um, the striking as good as it can be, given the speed of light and the speed of switches, really. Right. Um, are there other yeah. projects you have in mind for Ringing Room? Um, and please don't be shy about not announcing things if you don't want to put ideas out there. But are there things that you, you're excited to try and try and work on there? Or is this, is this pretty well contained? There, there is a lot that we are excited to do. Um, we, have, we have big plans. Um, right at the moment, we're in the middle of... Um, sort of redesigning the site um, so that it looks and feels a little bit better on the whole. Um, and then the next big feature that we're planning to release will be persistent user login. So at the moment, when you go to the site, you just sort of 
um, when you mo- go into a tower, you choose a name and that name is what you'll be known by for 24 hours and then it goes away. Right. Um, but we're going to have an actual login where people can set preferences and keep track of their favorite towers so that you don't have to remember the user ID to get back to the same tower. Okay. Um, also, one of our most requested features that we're hoping to implement soon is, a, is a, a tower captain mode where towers can have one designated user who's allowed to do things like assign ringers to bells and things like that. Um, we've had uh, requests actually very specifically from Simon Linford, the president of the Central Council, um, <laughs> for this, because this is perhaps something you will be able to relate to. He apparently has been working quite a lot with um, lower school kids um, mm-hmm. on ringing room, teaching them about ringing. And he says the level of chaos is a, a bit high at the moment. So, Oh, Simon, embrace the chaos. Come on. <laughs> we actually, we had a conversation among a number of the tower captains who work with schools, who work particularly closely with schools, either those of us who are located at schools or who are near colleges uh, a couple of weeks back. And that was my my best piece of advice that I know for the ringing world is if you want to work with younger ringers, go ahead and just embrace that chaos. Understand yeah. it's going to be a slightly different experience than you might have with a different group. Yeah. So I I do want to take a moment just to really honestly thank you and Bryn for all the work you put in for this. This is, it's really been during this time, one of the, one of the highlights of, of my week is being able to get into the tower and to, Chat, chat with some people I haven't seen in a while and to ring something new and to rather than feeling my ringing devolve over weeks and weeks of of not ringing with people actually improve on things. Um, so from the entire ringing world, thank you so much. That's very kind. Thank you. Um, we've been just so excited to see it take off. Um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm very glad that we made something that was just on the web and accessible to anyone with a browser and very easy for people to get into. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been just really heartwarming to see messages coming in from all over the world, really, from ringers who are who are using the site and are um, being able to stay connected to their tower communities through it. Is there anywhere that people can see that sort of feedback or is there any... I don't want to say social media, but you know, I, it's, it is heartwarming and it is nice to see that other people that you know or maybe haven't seen in years are still ringing. Um, is there any way that that's shareable? So at the moment, um, first of all, there's really quite a lot of ringing room um, performances getting posted on Bellboard. Sure. And so I think just keeping up there has been, has been very, very fun. I, I, um, yeah. The, um, also, at the moment, our only real social media presence is on Facebook. I do not have Facebook, but Bryn does, and she's been managing our social media presence there. And I know that there's at least one sort of um, ringing room fan group. Um, I believe it's called the Ringing Room Takehold Lounge that has started up lately. Um, so just to remind people, they can go to ringingroom.com or to ringingroom.co.uk um, and you can set up your own tower and be ringing with your group. Uh, and it really is, it is absolutely worth 10 minutes uh, to give it a try, if not an hour most evenings um, to be able to reconnect with people. So Leland, uh, turning away from this project, um, I'm curious about you and your ringing. Um, is there anything 
you're looking forward to or that you're working on personally or you're learning? What are your projects looking like um, in, in ringing terms for the yeah. future? Well, when non-ringers ask me what I like about ringing, one of the things that I tell them is that it's it's such a, a vast uh, and deep hobby that I will never have to stop learning. Mm-hmm. So I always have multiple fronts on which I'm trying to study things. Um, I will confess that um, the social distancing and also just being very busy with the ringing room has put a lot of that on hold. Sure. Um, before this happened, I was one of the ringers in North America as part of a, a band all up and down the East Coast primarily who are working on learning Chandler's 23 Spliced Surprise, um, which is a sort of very challenging and interesting set of methods. Um, and we've, we're trying to build up to appeal of it. It has been, the project has been going well over a year at this point, and um, we're not even quite halfway, I don't think. Um, but I've been really enjoying working on those methods. And sure. um, it really is true what a lot of the more experienced ringers have told me um, for my whole ring career. The more methods you learn, the easier it is to learn new methods. Um, and so working on this project, I feel like it's been fun to feel the methods get easier and easier to learn as I go, even though the methods are still really quite challenging. Sure, sure. Especially as you as you tackle them in one concentrated push, and you can really right. see that progress. Well, except right. for the last couple of months, um, as you can yes. really, as you can really yeah. see that happening quickly. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. We're going to have to make sure then to have uh, perhaps you and all your companions. Maybe I'll get a bigger mixing board, and we can have the entire band back <laughs> in a year or two whenever you accomplish that. Nice. Yeah. It would. It would be. It would be fun. I. I do hope that the project resumes um, once we're out of social distancing because it was very fun while we were doing it. Absolutely. Well, Leland Kuzmer, it's been great to have you on Troubles Going. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. It's been really fun talking with you. Once again, that was Leland Kuzmer of Boston. On our next episode, we'll hear from Quilla Roth of Washington, D.C. We'd love to hear your feedback. Tell us what you're ringing, how you're doing, what you'd like to hear, whom you'd like to hear from. Email troublesgoingpodcast at gmail.com or head to troublesgoing.com where you can find show notes, listen to other episodes, leave a comment on an episode, or contact us. If you like the show, please mention it to your fellow ringers. Thank you for listening, friends.